Welcome back to After the Buzzer Sports Talk, and I'm your host, Aiden Mayer. All right, guys, welcome back for another episode. There's a lot I want to get to in today's episode. First, I want to start off with the Super Bowl review. Uh, I know I'm a little late. It's been a very, very busy week. Uh, but first, I want to start out with that Super Bowl review. I'm going to look back on my pick uh, for the Super Bowl and my MVP pick, all of that. I'm going to tell you if I'm right or wrong. Uh, if you might have listened to my last episode, I told you my pick. But if you didn't, then I'll you'll find out what my pick was, whether I was right or wrong. And then after that, I want to get to the NBA trade deadline that ended just two days ago. So I want to get to all the action from that. And then to end off today's episode, I want to talk about this Mookie Betts trade uh, so far. Like, what's going on with that? Is it going to go through or not? What is going on? It's mayhem. A lot to get to. But first, we're going to start with the Super Bowl. So let's get to that. We all know the Chiefs beat the San Francisco 49ers 31-20. to And I'm not going to lie. The San Francisco 49ers were my pick coming into this game. They were two weeks ago, or now three weeks ago, basically, after the AFC and NFC Championship games wrapped up, I said, I'm picking the Niners. Was I completely 100% on that? No, I was really on the fence for a while, but I'm not going to lie. They were my pick. The San Francisco 49ers were my pick. And don't I love Patrick Mahomes, and I knew this guy is going to win a Super Bowl sometime in his career. I just thought, figured this just wasn't the time. I was going with the underdog. Was I going to be shocked that the Chiefs won? No, I thought it was going to be a close game. And I thought people, when I looked at the odds, I saw it was like 63% chance the Chiefs would win this game. I was like, that's a little high. I understand if you had the Chiefs at like 55% or something like that, but I thought it should be a lot closer. But apparently people were right. And there's a lot to take away from this game. This was a huge game for Jimmy Garoppolo. This was a huge game for Andy Reid. It was a lot of players. Right? So, when it came to quarterbacks who were more riding on this game, I went with Jimmy Garoppolo because Patrick Mahomes, I mean, there's nothing guaranteed in the NFL, but this is a guy, not sound like Chris Collinsworth, but this is a guy who people know he's got great talent. And although if he did perform poorly in this game, which he didn't, I mean, he had a you know, couple picks, but if Patrick Mahomes performed poorly, poorly in this game, he would get criticism for it. But not as much as Jimmy G. Because the thing also with Jimmy G, the reason Jimmy G is more riding on this, there's no guarantee he'll ever get back to the Super Bowl. Not saying this is, you know, there's no guarantees for anything, especially getting to the Super Bowl. But there was a very good chance coming out of this game that Patrick Mahomes would be back in the Super Bowl at some point in his career compared to Jimmy G. They're both on very good teams, but Patrick Mahomes is just on a different level. This might be Jimmy G's only Super Bowl appearance. I wouldn't be shocked if he gets to another one, but there's a much higher chance that Patrick Mahomes does. This was Jimmy G's chance to prove the haters wrong. Patrick Mahomes doesn't have any haters. So there was a lot more riding on this for Jimmy G, but that's just for the quarterback. Andy Reid, the head coach, had a lot riding on this. Both coaches really did. Kyle Shanahan, the last time he's offensive coordinator for the Falcons, blew it. He blew it again this time. But Andy Reid, I mean, this is a guy who's been one of the best coaches in the league for a long time now. It's taken him 21 years to win the Super Bowl. It's taken him forever. 
and people were starting to question his ability to win the playoffs and whether or not, despite the fact that he was one of the best coaches in the league, he should get fired because he could his incapability of winning in the playoffs. Great, you can get him there, but can you win? It's like Dwayne Casey with the Toronto Raptors. He got them to the playoffs. They're a great regular season team. They never won in the playoffs. He got fired. Nick Nurse came in, and they won the championship. With the Chiefs, it was the same thing. If Andy Reid blew that game, if the Chiefs don't win that game, I think we're having talks today about Andy Reid getting fired. Because, yeah, he got them to the Super Bowl. It's another step. But how much longer are we going to sit and wait around for this thing? No guarantees he gets fired. I'm not saying he would. But there's definitely a chance. We're definitely talking about it now. No. Kyle Shanahan... He's a young coach. He's still got room to grow, even though he did blow it as the offensive coordinator in 2017. <sighs> For the Niners, where did it all go wrong? First of all, I think they passed the ball too much. Going into the game, I said the 49ers are going to have to pass it more than they did last week, two weeks ago against the Packers, where they passed it eight times. They're going to have to pass it at least a good 22 times or something like that. They passed it 31 times. Jimmy G went 20 for 31, 219 passing yards, a touchdown, and two picks. He was not good. The first three quarters, he was good, but he blew it when it mattered most. You were up by 10 going into that fourth quarter, and he blew it. It's as simple as that. No and, ifs, or buts. The thing I would have liked to see the 49ers do was run the ball. Run the ball, especially in the fourth quarter. Raheem Mostert. Nearly my pick for Super Bowl MVP coming into this game. In this game, he had 12 carries, 58 yards, and a touchdown, including a one, uh, two-yard catch. That's 4.8 yards per carry. Debo Samuel took three end-arounds for a total of 53 yards. That's 17.7 yards a carry. I know he, most of that was just from that one big run, but those end-arounds worked. Was I saying run three more end-arounds to Debo Samuel? No, that was fine. But still, that worked too. Tevin Coleman, five carries for 28 yards. That's 5.6 yards a carry. They were running the ball well when they ran the ball. The only problem is they did not run it as much as they usually do. Their average in the regular season was about 31 or 32 carries, something like that. This team runs it more than any other team in the league. And I said coming to the game, everyone knew they were going to have to pass more and run a little less than they're used to. And this was a healthy balance. But the 49ers need to run the ball more, especially in the fourth quarter. You are up by 10 with one of, if not the best running game in the league. Like, well, it's one of them. You've ran the ball all year. The running game's working when you have so far as you ran it this game. You're up by 10. Jimmy G has done well, but it's common sense. You run the ball. You're up by 10. You've got an inexperienced quarterback, and you've got a very good running game. You run the football, you bleed the clock, you avoid mistakes, but instead, Jimmy G throws some interceptions, gives the Chiefs momentum, and I know you want that score. I bet you, Kyle Shanahan, the reason he mostly was throwing the ball was probably to go down, get another touchdown, go up by 17, and basically lock up the game. Risky move that did not work. That's what he wanted to do. Kyle Shanahan wanted to throw the ball so he could push it downfield, get that score to put them up by 17 in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl and lock that game up. But it just was not the right move to do. But he continued doing it. And it put them in a hole. And that's why they lost the game. Kyle Shanahan made mistakes. Jimmy G made mistakes. It started with Kyle Shanahan putting Jimmy G in that spot. You should have ran the ball more, especially in that fourth quarter. 
that you gotta run the ball, and they didn't, and it cost them a Super Bowl. I that's what I'm that's how that's how I'm looking at it. And then on the Chiefs side of things, Mahomes had a bit of an interesting game where he was my after the game happened, it came down to him and Damian Williams who was gonna win Super Bowl MVP, and they both played two great games, and really it was close. A lot of people thought Damian Williams, but Patrick Mahomes, oh, that was voice crack. Patrick Mahomes would win just because he's more popular. Personally, I picked Mahomes by a hair. I And this might be biased because I love Patrick Mahomes and I don't like Damian Williams, but you got to give Williams credit. He had 17 carries for 104 yards and a touchdown. That's 6.1 yards a carry. He also caught four passes for 29 yards and a touchdown. He had a very good case for Bowl MVP, and really now looking at it, I think he kind of deserved it. But they chose Mahomes, who went 26 for 42 for 286 yards, two touchdowns, two picks, and a rushing touchdown as well. So really three total touchdowns. Mahomes made his fair share of mistakes. The two picks. One of them kind of bobbled off the receiver's hands, but it's still a bad throw. He did not play a great game. A perfect game. He did not play to Patrick Mahomes standards, which is on a superhuman level, like he usually does week in and week out. That was not the Patrick Mahomes I usually see. But it was good enough. It was still good enough. And here's the thing. It was still a decent performance. It's just the expectations for Patrick Mahomes are out of this world that decent isn't up to his standards. But it was still good enough to win him Super Bowl MVP and win the Chiefs the Lombardi Trophy. So he should be happy, and he is, and I'm happy for Patrick Mahomes. And this is going to be big in his career because this got him off on the right foot, and I think that's important. This, for the legends, for the legends in football, when Patrick Mahomes, very good chance he'll go down as a legend, it's important to get off on that right foot. And this being in the Super Bowl, if you want to be a legend, you have to win at the biggest stage, which is the Super Bowl. So for him to win this first one and give him confidence for when he makes that second and third appearance or whatever, I'm not saying he's guaranteed to get these all these shots, but if he's going to be a legend, I and personally I just believe he will be a legend and will get these other opportunities in the Super Bowl. I'm glad he won this first one just to make him a little more comfortable and give him a little more confidence, and at least he's now on the right track. So I think that's important. And this is big. It's big for him. It's big for the Chiefs organization. And listen, personally, I know a lot of people from New England were rooting for the 49ers. I was too, just because I picked them. I was rooting for a good game, really. Uh, But if I want to see someone win, it was probably going to be the Chiefs. I like the Chiefs a little more than I do the 49ers, really and truly. But I wanted the 49ers going because they were my pick. Jimmy G was my Super Bowl MVP pick. I nearly picked Raheem Mostert, though. And I also thought about doing Nick Nick Bosa. And a lot of people, actually, because I was just like, Jimmy G, I'm not the biggest fan. But he does well in these big moments. You know what? He's a quarterback. I'll take him. I'll take him. I'll just pick him. Bite the bullet. It didn't work out. But no one from the 49ers won the Super Bowl MVP because I didn't get the Super Bowl pick right. This was probably the first Super Bowl ever where the Patriots weren't in it, and I actually had decent logic on football. Last time Patriots weren't in the Super Bowl was Panthers-Broncos, and I was just getting into football at that time. That was probably like my first, second season really getting into football, but at the time I was in what? 
let me think, fourth grade. So was I really going to make a decently logical pick? No. And then for the last three Super Bowls, I just picked the Patriots because I'm a Patriots fan. Two out of three of those were correct. This was the first Super Bowl I really had at least decent logic on the game, and the Patriots were not in it. And I got the pick wrong. So hopefully next year I'll be right. Uh, but you guys, I don't want to dig too deep into this game because you guys already know the whole spiel. I'm six days late. Uh, by the way, it's mostly been this week was super busy. Um, I lost power. We've had a ton of basketball. My basketball season, which I'm sad about, is going to end next week. But the good news for you guys is more podcasts. Definitely more free time to do podcasts. Um, but if I had to give this game a grade, I'd give it a B. The first half was boring, and the ending was good. Okay, the second half was good. The first half was kind of boring. And I gave it a B plus at first, but then I reflected. I was just like, the game, yeah, it's a B. I'll give it a B. B to a B plus. I think the Super Bowl gets extra perks just because it's the Super Bowl, and a lot of people do fun things for the Super Bowl, and that helps their enjoyment of the game, I guess you could say. But in a vacuum, the game itself was a B. I'm just putting it at that. I don't want to get too deep into this because you guys already know. And we've got a lot to get to. And this is something that everyone knows all everything they need to know about the Super Bowl. So I just wanted to get my personal thoughts out there. So now I want to get to the NBA trade deadline. So let's get to that. Okay, so how this is going to work is I'm going to go in alphabetical order starting with the Atlanta Hawks. And I'm going to go through each team's trade deadline. The move or moves they made, and who they got, who they acquired, who they lost, how they did at the trade deadline. A lot of teams stood pat, and I'm going to even comment on those teams because sometimes standing pat is the right thing to do. Sometimes that's enough of a move in itself, uh, whether that's good or bad. So first, I want to start with the Atlanta Hawks. The Atlanta Hawks were one of the busier teams in the trade deadline due to their Clint Capella trade. They got Clint Capella, Dwayne Dedman, Scalabassier, Derek Walton, a 2020 second round pick from Houston, and a 2021 second round pick from Miami, and $2 million. They gave up Alex Len, Jabari Parker, Evan Turner, a first round pick from 2020 via Brooklyn, so it's not their own, a future second round pick, top 55 protected, and a 2024 second round pick along with $1.3 million. So they did great. <laughs> they did it amazing. Clint Capella fits what they're trying to do. He's 25 years old, so he fits their timeline. This team, their biggest need was a center, a true center, not some Brook Lopez stretch type center, a center who's going to be able to anchor them on defense, grab some rebounds, and score some points in the paint. Clint Capella's perfect. He's great. Is he the most reliable? No. The injuries scare me. But when he's healthy, he's going to fit. Again, he fits the timeline. He fits what this team needs. And they really didn't give up a lot for him. They gave up, uh, who was it? Evan Turner in the deal. Uh, and some picks. They gave up the Brooklyn pick. And then the Dwayne Dedman deal. They got Dwayne du- Dedman. <laughs> that was a tongue twister. They got Dwayne Dedman back. They let him go in for agency last year. Decide, you know, we're going to bring him back. He's kind of more of a stretch big, but it gives them big man depth. They got Dwayne Dedman back and only had to give up Alex Len and Jabari Parker. 
So that was a good deal. And then they, the Scalabas year deal wasn't a bad one either. They get another big man. And they only had to give up a... And they got money for it. They got Scalabas year and $2 million. And they only had to give up a future second-round pick top 55 protected. So essentially, they get, got Scalabas year and some money for basically nothing. If anything, they're giving up a bottom five pick. Like a somewhere between 60 and 56. So it's probably going to be nothing. It could be a very, very late dra- uh, round pick in the second round. You know what I mean. The Hawks did great. Really, they made two small moves. The Dwayne Dedman Scalabassier deals were both essentially wins, I'd say. But the Clint Capella deal was the big one, and that's... They won. I'd say they won on all three trades. But the big one that they had to win was the Clint Capella deal. That was their big deal. That got them a step ahead in their... For their team. Their team is now one step closer to that goal. And I don't know when they're going to hit their goal. But I know uh, getting a guy like Clint Capella definitely helps. Again, the injuries do scare me about Clint Capella. But now they have a big three of Clint Capella, Trey Young, and John Collins. That's an amazing young big three. And uh, Clint Capella is not only going to help this team, but also Trey Young. He's going to cover up Trey Young's defensive uh, instability, I guess you could say, and really the whole team's defensive issues. He's going to help them out. He's going to protect their rim. They need a rim protector because they didn't have a true big man before. John Collins couldn't do it. He's not a good defender. He's going to help out this team's defense. They're rebounding. Their big man problems are – they're all gone as long as Quinn Capella can stay healthy, which we all know is a problem. He also struggled in the playoffs, but the good thing about that is the Hawks ain't going to the playoffs this year. Or really anytime soon. So that's also good. So you give him a little bit of time to kind of ease his way into things, I guess you could say. The Boston Celtics stood pat. They didn't do anything. I would have liked to see them pick up a, a big man. whether uh, Just Trins, tr- a guy like Tristan Thompson. I wasn't really interested in Clint Capella or Andre Drummond. They're both in kind of injury prone, especially Clint Capella. They both had these bigger contracts. And really, I mean, I would have liked Andre Drummond for the price that they, you know, got him for, but Clint Capella's price seemed pretty high. Not in the trade. I mean, yeah, in the trade, they gave up, you know, the Rockets got like Robert Covington and whatnot back. That was a big 14 deal. Uh, but the Celtics would have had to give up Marcus Smart and more. It didn't seem worth it to me. It didn't seem like the upgrade was big enough. And I wasn't even asking for a Clint Capella and Andre Drummond. I just wanted somebody like a Tristan Thompson. I just wanted a big man who can help us out just a little bit. Listen, I'll give the Celtics a ton of credit for the job they've done with their big man situation this year. You know, coming into the year, a lot of people said Celtics have a good team, but their big man situation is going to kill them. They don't have any really height at all. You got Ennis. I mean, we have Taco Fall, yes, but... He barely plays. He's not anything reliable by any means. He's playing in the G League half the year. We really only had like Ennis Cantor, Daniel Tice. I mean, we're going to have one of the smallest lineups in the NBA. Coming into the season, our starting lineup was, I think we were running um, Kemba at point, Marcus Smart at shooting guard, Gordon Hayward at small forward, Tatum at power forward, Ennis Cantor at center in, uh, what's his face, Jalen Brown as our sixth man, 
And obviously, if you put Jalen Brown, if you plug him in for smart, it doesn't really change things either. Like Tatum's it hit the boards well this year. Same with guys like Smart hasn't been terrible uh, in Brown and whatnot. Like these guys are hitting the boards, but that's great and all. And Ennis Cantor, I mean, he he's a big man, and I wouldn't call him a small ball five, but he's not a big five. He's not good defensively. He does not grab a ton of boards. He grabs a decent amount. But he doesn't grab, like, a ton of boards. And overall, as a unit, they've done a good job. But you could still upgrade at center. I still think you need that big man for just depth purposes. Ennis Cantor was out for a decent amount of games. He just came back yesterday against the Hawks for the first time in a while. Uh, and so the all these things, like, yeah, Ennis Cantor stepped up. And Daniel Tyson, pretty much everybody on the team stepped up. And Brad Stevens has done a great job. But they can still, you know, get a guy like Tristan Thompson just to give you a little more scoring inside the paint. And this is a guy that can grab boards. And I know he's not a great defender, but just something. And, you know, just throw in a guy who can help your big man problem. Because I do think it is a problem. And they've done a good job. They've done about as good as I possibly could have thought on the boards, protecting the rim, the whole nine yards when it comes to big men. Big men. Oh, that, those are wrong tense words. But... They could still use some help. And even just getting a guy like Tristan Thompson would have been fine. Uh, standing Pat wasn't a terrible decision. But just go get a guy like a cheap dude like Tristan Thompson, especially when the Cavs are trading for Andre Drummond. They Tristan Thompson was on the block, but after they trade for Andre Drummond, his price probably goes down even more because they just got a guy like Drummond. So I just – listen, I'm not mad necessarily with the Celtics, but I do think they could have made a move. Uh, the Nets, they stood pat as well. Uh, the Nets really weren't, didn't seem interested. This year is just about Kyrie and KD, even though KD's not playing, gelling in with this group. Them just trying to get on some sort of decent run before next year's the real year they start to really contend. But I don't blame them for necessarily making a move. Joe Harris was thrown out there a little bit. Same with Spencer Dinwiddie, but at the end of the day, I'm not shocked they didn't make a move. I don't really think they had to either. The Charlotte Hornets! Didn't make a move. They're one of the teams that stood pat, and they should really kind of be disappointed with themselves that they stood pat because this team has a ton of bad cards. Hornets are in a terrible spot right now. They're a bad team with a lack of assets and a ton of bad contracts, and they're a bad team. When you're a bad team that can't make the playoffs in the East, and, but you, and you have a lack of assets, a lack of good young players, and a ton of bad contracts, that is a terrible spot to be in. I wanted them. It was going to be kind of mission impossible, but to try to dump one of their bad contracts, like a Marvin Williams, and get an asset or two at the deadline. They didn't achieve either of those things. And don't get me wrong. You're not just going to be able to go out there, trade Marvin Williams, and get a first-round pick for him. You'll probably have to trade a first-round pick with Marvin Williams just to get a second because his contract is going to cost you. It's like, all right, you you know, it's like, um, you want me to take care of your dog for the weekend? It's going to cost you. That's the thing. You want me to take on Marvin Williams' contract? It's going to cost you. You know, I'm not giving you anything in return uh, you know, for <laughs> taking on that contract. So the Hornets, I would have liked to either see them get rid of Marvin Williams' contract or a contract like that or do nothing about that but just get an asset. They didn't do either. I just wanted to see you do one, even if it meant you know giving up two seconds in Marvin, you know, 
giving up two seconds to get rid of Marvin Williams or, you know, a first round pick from, I don't know, wherever. You're not going to give up your own first round pick because it's so valuable, but like a late first round pick and Marvin Williams for some second. Either that or trade, um, I don't know, someone that's a decent veteran player with a non-terrible contract, which is a tough one to think of, um, and trade that type of player. I can't even think of one on the Hornets. I can't think of a player on the Hornets that is a veteran without a bad contract. I literally can't. They're either young players on the Hornets. It's either young players that are valuable for their future, or it's old veterans that are super overpaid. I can't think of anybody in the middle of nice veteran that's not overpaid that you could have traded to get some sort of pick or young player. Nothing great. Just some sort of asset. And the Hornets failed to do either one. The Chicago Bulls stood pad as well. Uh, I really just don't know what to say. The Chicago Bulls have been on a bit of a run lately. They've slowed down a little bit. Uh, they don't have a great chance of making the playoffs, but they are really starting to make that type of push. But I would have liked to see them trade one of their point guards because they're so loaded there. You've got Cody White. Co- Did I just call him Cody? Oh, my God. Uh, you, you have Kobe White. You've got Chris Dunn, Ryan R. D. R. Chidiakino, and Thomas Sadaransky. Not to mention, you also go with Zach Levine as well, shooting guard. They are loaded up on guards. Trade one of those four point guards that I named. Chris Dunn, you were talking about trading him. He's still on the roster. You're talking about trading him in the offseason. Still on the roster after the trade deadline. Trade one of those point guards. Unload on one of them and get a pick or a wing, a, a small forward, power forward, or center. That's a younger guy. Or even, a, you know, trade one of those point guards for a veteran that can help you maybe make a playoff push. Even that's in the picture. I wouldn't suggest it because there's no point of getting the eighth seed and lose, getting swept in the first round when you can just miss the playoffs and take your chances in this wild lottery because even though you may have low chances of the first overall pick, you never know. So the Bulls, I'm not... T- Totally against them standing pat, but I would have liked to see them try to do something to take that next step. Uh, But they didn't. The Cavs. I am mixed emotions here. Their Andre Drummond trade was an absolute steal. You traded John Henson, Brandon Knight, and a 2023 second round pick for Andre Drummond. An all-star talent. You traded two bottom-of-the-barrel players and a 2023 second-round pick for an all-star talent. That's a great trade, but the only thing I have to say is it just didn't make sense for the Cavs. But I don't care. That trade was a steal. The only reason I can't call the trade an A-plus because it didn't make a ton of sense for the Cleveland Cavaliers to make that move. It really didn't. It just... It, it, it was just like the Cavs ended up with Drummond. It just doesn't make a ton of sense, right? But the trade was just too good to be true. The Pistons are idiots, and the Cavs are, like, it's weird to say, because they're, tra- they were, like, sitting there saying, all right, the Detroit Pistons want to get rid of Drummond. They probably proposed this offer, and we're kind of sitting here like, we don't need 
Andre Drummond. He does not fit, but that deal's just way too good to be true. We'll take it. If I were the Cavs manager in this position, general manager in this position, I accept that trade. If I'm the Detroit Pistons, who are way too eager to move Andre Drummond, I'm going to get to the Pistons, and I'm going to rant on them, and you bet it, best believe I'm going to rant on them. The Cavs were probably sitting there like, well, he doesn't really fit what we're trying to do at the moment. It doesn't make a ton of sense, but that trade is, again, it's way too good to be true. But the other thing with the Cleveland Cavaliers, also, you didn't trade Kevin Love. That's another kind of minus. I think it's a little bit of a minus with the under drum trade just because he doesn't really fit. But Kevin Love, you didn't trade him. I would have liked to see the move, Kevin Love, because that's a huge contract and a guy that still has some sort of trade value. One more injury, his trade value is going to plummet. I really do believe that. You know, I'm not talking some sprained ankle that takes him out for two games. I'm talking a significant injury that takes him out for, uh, you know, over half the year like he did had uh, last year. I'm talking that type of injury. Which is very well could happen. It's happened to him a lot lately in these past couple years. They need to trade him, and they didn't. And that's also why I give them really only around a B plus for the trade deadline, some something around that. Because yes, you got Andre Drummond. The trade's an A plus. The fact that you didn't really need him doesn't really fit. Gives you about an A. But then you didn't trade Kevin Love either. And here's the thing: forced trades. Yeah, you need to trade Kevin Love. But if the deal wasn't there. If it didn't make a ton of sense, the Pistons, they wanted to trade Andre Drummond, but that deal doesn't make any sense, really. Yeah, you dumped some salary, but you got nothing in return for an all-star talent. And really, although that contract doesn't seem great, he's a good player. Dallas Mavericks also stood pat. Uh, Yeah, it was kind of whatever. I didn't expect the Mavs to make any moves. Uh, the talks about maybe they get Danilo Gallinari, maybe they get Dennis Schroeder, maybe they get D'Lo, but... Although some trade talks did heat up a little bit a week ago with the OKC Thunder, it was all just smoke and mirrors. It was all just rumors. It never really felt like it was going to happen once we kind of led up to uh, trade deadline day. I was okay with their decision to stand pat. The Dallas Mavericks have done very good this year. Uh, Maybe they should have went out and got a point guard that maybe helps their playoff push a little bit this season. But if the deal wasn't there, you don't have to do it. Um. you know, they should have maybe tried to move a deal. Uh, some of these contracts, like Tim Hardaway or Courtney Lee, but a guy like Courtney Lee, for example, his contract's expiring. It's whatever. Uh, the Mavericks are definitely probably looking forward to next year or in the year after that when some of these contracts expire. Finally, uh, Porzingis and Luca are going to be even better, and they're going to have the money to get that third star, and hopefully uh, it's a point guard. I know Luca can run the point, but they need that kind of second guy because he can't do it all. So, I'm okay with their decision to stay in pat. The Denver Nuggets, one of the busier teams on uh, trade deadline day. They got Keita Bates-Diop. I don't even know how to say Diop or Diop, but I love that dude. He's a great defender. Very underrated. He's from um, Minnesota. Gerald Green, a nice 3 and D wing. Uh, Really just a shooter. Uh, He used to be a great dunker. Anyway... Irrelevant. He's not really that good anymore. Jordan McRae, Noah Vonley, and a 2020 first-round pick via Houston. And they get, uh, got rid of Malik Beasley, Juancho Hernan Gomez, and Jared Vanderbilt. I think some people are overrating what the Denver Nuggets did at this trade deadline. Like, Police Report gave them, like, an A or something like that. Like, an A or an A-, which isn't terrible, but I think they're a little overrated with the moves they made. But 
First of all, let me just say this. I'm so happy for Malik Beasley because he needed to get out of there. I talked about this earlier in the year. Malik Beasley averaged about 23 minutes a season uh, game last season. He was 23 years old or 22 or something like that. And he was doing great last year. And then this season, he's been averaging 11 minutes per game. He should be going up, not down. But the Denver Nuggets were too loaded. So you know what they said? All right, fine. We're going to uh, unload on some of this um, bench depth. So they get rid of Malik Bleasley, Juancho Hernan Gomez, Jared Vanderbilt, a nice little young point guard who isn't getting any minutes. For Keita Bates, die up, Gerald Green, Jordan McRae, Noah Vonley, and a 2021st round pick. So they unload on some of that bench depth, get a little back. So their bench is slightly weaker because they got rid of Malik Beasley. So it's a little worse, but they got an asset too. And this team, the Denver Nuggets team, is in a great position. Really, when I said I wanted them to unload on some of their uh, bench depth, I said I wanted them to unload on some of it so they could get kind of a star or something close to that. That was really – because what this team needed was less bench depth and more another star, really. That's what they needed because this team's great, but it's not going to win a title. I think you need that Bradley Beal or something like that. And it was hurting the young guys' development. Malik Beasley wasn't getting anywhere on that team. I think they did a good job, the Denver Nuggets did. The Pistons uh, virtually failed. I'm glad you got rid of um, Andre Drummond, but what are you doing? That was so forced, and the Detroit Pistons will never be a successful franchise because – they suck. They're terrible. I don't know what they're doing. They're idiots. They're clowns. I don't. Whatever you want to call them, they're dumb. They're dumb. They're dumb. They're stupid. I don't know what they're doing. Why would you trade Andre Drummond for that crap? What are you doing? What, what makes you logically think that's the right thing to do? And I get it. Andre Drummond, you wanted to trade him. You want to free up your cap space flexibility a little bit. Uh, you think it's time to move on. You need to shake things up. But what? Shake things up just to shake things up? That's so stupid. That's like me going out and saying, well, I'm the Washington Wizards. We're not winning. So how about we just trade Bradley Beal for uh, uh, a first-round pick? Yeah, how about we just shake things up a little bit? No, you just don't shake things up to shake things up. Did the Detroit Pistons need to shake things up? Yes, but it has to be logical. That trade is not logical. The only good thing that comes out of this trade is they have more cap space. That's it, but it's still, I don't care. You, that was such a forced trade. That is such a forced trade. Why would you trade Andre Drummond for John Henson, Brandon Knight, 2020 Brandon Knight, by the way. This isn't 2013 Brandon Knight we're talking about. This is 2020 Brandon Knight. And a 2023 second-round pick. What are you doing? It doesn't matter what year that second-round pick is. That's so dumb. That is so stupid. What are you doing? And maybe I'm overreacting to this trade, but I really don't think I am. I really think that is just stupid. That is just play. Why would you force it? Oh, my God. And the thing is, the Pistons lost traction in this whole thing. They lost that, um, I don't know what you call it, but his trade value went down because the Pistons were this eager to make get a deal done. This is why teams weren't jumping on Andre Drummond with all these offers and all these good offers as well. The Pist- They knew the Pistons were eager to move him, so they said, we'll let them call us in. Listen, I knew, I know the Pistons are dumb, but this is retarded. 
this is like a whole new level. Like, I knew the Pistons were not a good front office, but this just takes it to another level. This is so forced. And this just shows this team just has no patience. And I know, you know, you wanted to get something for Andre Drummond while you could. But, I mean, why? And they they set themselves up for this type of failure because, again, they were so eager to do it that no one was like, everyone was just like, oh, they'll come to us with some bad offer. And the Cleveland Cavaliers won the lottery. And it didn't really make a ton of sense. It's like the million-dollar man, uh, he was kind of sitting here, you know, he's got you know, tens of millions of dollars, and someone walks up to him with a winning lottery ticket for a million dollars. He's like, I don't really need it, but thanks. Not saying the Cleveland Cavaliers don't need a player like Andre Drummond because they're so bad they can use a player like that to start winning some games. But Andre Drummond didn't make a ton of sense for their team. But they sat there saying, how can we decline this? So they took it because the Pistons are idiots. I don't know what they're doing. Uh, Listen, either Cleveland proposed this trade and says, you know what, we don't need Andre Drummond, but – We'll just give them some low ball offer just to see what happens. It's a one in a million shot, and it's their lucky day. They hit on it. Or the Pistons came up with them that offer, and they were just like, I mean, we weren't aiming for Andre Drummond, but how do you say no to that? You're idiots. You always be. If you're a Detroit Pistons fan, I give you permission to switch teams. You can be a bandwagon fan for whatever team you want, because Detroit Pistons suck, and you deserve better. Any of you. Oh, God. Bring me back to 04. That's what I see. Oh, my God. They suck. They're terrible. I feel bad. I feel sorry for every Pistons fan out there that's put up with this crap. That is just, oh, that is despicable. Golden State Warriors. They had a very, very, very busy trade deadline. They traded D'Lo along with Alec Burks, Jacob Evans, Glenn Robinson, and Amari Spellman on the day, and got Andrew Wiggins, a 2021st round pick, top three protected from Minnesota. A 2022nd round pick via Dallas, a 2021 second round pick via Denver, and a 2021 second round pick via Minnesota, and a 2022 second round pick via Toronto. So they basically traded D'Angelo Russell. And a ton of... I, I, I'll give Alex Burke something because he's been good this year. He's averaging like 16 points per game. They uh, basically traded D'Lo, a decent bench player, and three young, okay role players, you know, soon-to-be role players, for Andrew Wiggins, a very high-valued pick. I don't think it's going to land in the top three. If it does, the Warriors just got screwed. They basically traded him for Andrew Wiggins, a very good pick, and then a ton of second-rounders. They did decent. I think some people overreact to this trade, and I don't love it as some as much as other people do because I don't know how Wiggins is going to fit in with the Golden State Warriors. I really don't. I If I'm sitting there as the Warriors general manager, Andrew Wiggins confused the crap out of me. I don't like his contract. I hate his work ethic, work ethic but he's done well this year. So I'm kind of sitting there like, I don't know what i do. Personally, if I were ever running a team, I don't want anything to do with Andrew Wiggins because I don't know. Going, I've talked about this for about a year now. I don't know what this dude's trade value is. What he he's so, such a confusing player because it's just like what is going on with Andrew Wiggins? He's so inconsistent. It's like uh, I I just don't know. So if I'm the Warriors GM and they you know offered me basically in the grand scheme of things it was D low for Andrew Wiggins and a 2021 first round pick. It is top three protected though. I'm kind of sitting there like, I mean. 
And they did get a second round pick with the two, but still, I'm kind of sitting there like, mm, I want a little more. I want you to take that top three protection off, and I also probably want another pick. That's probably where I'm standing if I'm the Golden State Warriors. Like, yeah, I, that's a decent offer, but I want a little more because Andrew Wiggins, I'm not a big fan. It's going to be such a big question mark once again. We never got to see how D'Lo would have went, you know, done with Steph Curry and Clay and Draymond. Like, that was going to be really interesting. We never got to see it. But, I mean, we got to see D'Lo and Curry for a good um, five games, it felt like. But, you know what I mean? The whole crew together. We never got to see that. But the Warriors, I can't give them a grade until I see Wiggins play next year and see what that 2020 first-round pick ends up. Right now, I'd say they got about a B, a B plus on the trade, I guess. Like, it wasn't bad. Somewhere in the Bs. B minus to B plus for now, but that could either end up being an F if Andrew Wiggins ends up totally failing in Golden State and the pick ends up being, you know, some late first-round pick because the Timberwolves come out of nowhere and make the playoffs and go on a decent run. Or it could end up being an A plus if Wiggins ends up being a perfect fit and the Timberwolves continue to suck and their pick ends up like fifth or fourth or something, that'll be great. But we don't know until really 2021. We're not going to know for about a year and a half until how this trade really panned out for this team. So it's going to be interesting to see. And we're just going to have to – time will tell. And they also made the um, – uh, what's it called? The trade with the Philadelphia 76ers that really just got them a ton of second-round picks. They traded Alec Burks. Uh, which makes sense, too. Burks is doing good. The 76ers need some bench depth. 76ers flipped a ton of seconds for Alec Burks and Glenn Robinson as well. Houston Rockets. Another team that was very busy on the day. They got Bruno Cabo-Clo. Uh, very long wingspan. Small forward. Used to play for Toronto. Was just on Memphis. Good defender. Yeah, that dude. Pretty irrelevant. Robert Covington, a 2024 second-round pick via Golden State, 2023 second-round pick uh, from Memphis, and they gave up Clint Capella, Gerald Green, Nene, and a 2021 for, uh, 2020 first-round pick. Mm, uh, mm, 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 yeah, that's how I feel right there. Mm, those noises. Mm, mm, mm. In a vacuum, when I look at this, this trade, not factoring in – what team, you know, they're going to, which I guess should be a factor. Clint Capella for Robert Covington. Just those two straight up together. You trade Clint Capella and I get Robert Covington. Those two are pretty even in trade value if you want the complete and honest truth. I think Clint Capella as a player, when healthy, not considering contract, is better than Robert Covington. But when you consider injuries, which they're both injury-prone, and contracts, that's the big thing. Robert Covington has a good contract. Clint Capella is eh. It gets is more evened out. The What's their faces? The Rockets basically also had to give up with Capella a 2020 first-round pick. And in return, they got a second or two. Whatever. It was basically... Clint Capella for Rocco and a first. I mean, Clint Capella and a first for Rocco. But it was part of this confusing four-team trade. So that's essentially what the Rockets gave up and what they got. These second-round picks, Bruno, 
whatever his last name. They gave up Gerald Green, Nene, whatever. It really just goes down to, click. if you were to highlight the important part of the text, you know when you have to do that in class, you got this long paragraph, but there's really only one important sentence. Yeah, it's Robert Covington. When you have to, you know, there's really three, only three important things. It's the 2021st round pick, Clint Capella and Rocco. That 2021st, it's going to be kind of late. It doesn't have a ton of value. So really, Clint Capella and Robert Covington, pretty close. Robert Covington had just a little more value than Clint. That's how, and I think that's fair. B. But then also when we factor in the fact that, yes, I love the, the fit of Robert Covington with the Houston Rockets. I don't think there's a team that Robert Covington doesn't fit on, but I think the Rockets works. But the thing is, giving up Clint Capella, now P.J. Tucker's running center. Mike D'Antoni is way too obsessed with shooting and scoring, and he doesn't pay enough attention to, uh, enough attention to defense. Clint Capella struggled in the playoffs yet, last year, yes. He's injury prone, yes. But he's your anchor on defense. He helps you protect the rim, and he gives you pretty much all your boards. P.J. Tucker cannot run the center. He's a great defender, but he's a good perimeter defender. He's a good pesky perimeter defender. He can't protect the rim. He's not big enough. He also does not grab boards like Clint Capella did. You're going to suffer there. Is your shooting better now? Yes. Your spacing was already good enough. You didn't need Robert Covington to fix that. You already had enough shooting and scoring and spacing. That was all fine. Now you just made your spacing better, your shooting better better, and it was already good enough, but now you just take a huge hit in rebounding, paint protection. I don't get why they were so eager to trade Clint Capella and add more shooting. Mike D'Antoni, it's going to bite you in the butt. It really is. Indiana Pacers stood pat, kind of whatever. Not much to say about the Pacers if you want the complete and honest truth. Uh, Los Angeles Clippers actually did a, a pretty dang good job. They got Marcus Morris and $1.3 million for Maurice Harkless, Jerome Robinson, who they picked with the 13th pick in the draft back in 2018. And he's done nothing. He used to play at BC. Uh, I actually went to a BC game this time last year in February, uh, probably you know, 11 and a half months ago, something like that. I went to a BC game. He was actually there, Jerome Robinson. Uh, I watched Kai Bowman play too. He's on the Warriors. He was sick that day, so he wasn't very good. But he's in the NBA now, too. Jerome Robinson's done nothing. Everyone can name 13 out of the 14 lottery picks in the 2018 draft. They always forget Jerome Robinson. I wish they knew him because, you know, BC, um, you know, yeah. Dirk Walton Jr., a 2021st round pick, a 2021st round pick swap rights, and a 2021 second round pick. They gave up all that for Marcus Morris and $1.3 million. What they did was they did good, but they also did overrated. I love the addition of Marcus Morris, but they gave up more picks. And I know the Clippers are totally win now. Like, they're saying, these next four years are our years. So let's add Marcus Morris, too. But they gave up even more of their future. And I think there's got to be some sort of balance. I get it, you're win now. And I, I like what they did at the trade deadline. But I, I know those first-round picks aren't going to have much... Um, they're not going to have much value like that That um, first 2020 first-round picks are not going to have much value, but you just traded five first-round picks in the OKC deal. Now giving up another one, this team's going to have no young talent in the future. They gave up Shy, 
Shay, Shy, same thing. Shy Gilders Alexander. He's doing great now. They're not going to have anybody young, any young studs in four to five years, so they don't have any picks, and there's not really any on the roster at the moment. But for now, since they're in win-now mode for the next three, four years, it's okay. Los Angeles Lakers did nothing. It's... I don't hate the move to stand pat, but I would have liked them to see really shock Kyle Kuzma because I don't think he fits. He's like the odd puzzle piece that has some value. Where he didn't fit into the picture... I don't think he fits their timeline. He does not fit the team's rotation. It feels like without Kyle Kuzma, it feels pretty much flawless. But with them, he doesn't really fit in. It's like trying to jam a puzzle piece where it doesn't fit. But he still has some value. And I know he's a young player that could help you in the future. But I think they should chop him and try to add, you know, another wing that's going to help them, you know, space the floor for LeBron or something like that. I just don't think he really fits right now. So, you could have thrown in Boogie, something like that, for contract value. Because Kyle Kuzma, his deal, $2.4 million, it's not going to match up with anybody's contract. Like Bogdan Bogdanovich. If they wanted to get Bogdan Bogdanovich, him and Kuzma's contracts wouldn't match. So, you can throw in a guy like Boogie Cousins to make that trade work. Uh, but anyway, the Lakers, I kind of had mixed emotions about them standing pat, but... Really, wasn't a terrible move, wasn't a great move either. Memphis Grizzlies, they did pretty dang good uh, this uh, trade deadline. Like, they did really well. They got Jordan Bell, who I am a big fan of, Georgie Dying, Dion Waiters, and Justice Winslow for Bruno Caboclo. I don't know how to say his name still. Jay Crowder, Solomon Hill, Andre Iguodala, a 2023 second round pick. And honestly, I can say they did good, but the big thing with me is Justice Winslow. I think he's the best player they got. And my big thing is, will he fit? Because him and John Morant, I'm not sure if they can coexist. If this team at one day gets good enough, Justice Winslow could be a phenomenal six-man for them. But right now, Justice Winslow's got to be a starter on this team. And will he accept that role? So, I just don't know if him and uh, um, John Morant can coexist. Justice has played some time off ball this year with the Heat. He's done okay. But, really, when I look at it, I'm like, he's more of an on-ball player. He's a point forward. John Morant's a point guard. None of them really thrive off the ball. So, Justice Winslow could be a great six-man for the future. But, right now and then, you know, next year when he has to be a starter, I mean... Who else are you going to start over him without him affecting his ego and him his ability to really want to be here? So that's the big thing for me, Justice Winslow. And then Dion Waiters, I think he's going to be a cancer for this locker room. And this is a young, you know, this is a young locker room that doesn't have that leader in Andre Iguodala anymore, even though he wasn't really part of the team. Uh, you know, that did hurt them. Uh, but Dion Waiters, that's going to hurt, especially with the team full of young guys. If he went to a team like the Lakers. Yeah, you know, it might catch media attention, but LeBron will, you know, put that thing to rest. You know, and Anthony Davis, they got a lot of vets there, but Memphis doesn't, so that does scare me. And that could hurt this team, and it could hurt guys like John Morant. And, you know, maybe not necessarily, like, their feelings, you know, nothing like that. I'm just saying it could hurt their locker room and, 
it, it, it could hurt the team's chemistry. They don't have that older guy, that older leader uh, to help kind of sm- smoke out the flame, I guess you could say, or put out the flame. Why did I say smoke out the flame? Put out the flame. Uh, the Miami Heat, they got Jay Crowder, Solomon Hill, and Andre Iguodala, and they got rid of James Johnson, Deion Waiters, and Justice Winslow. I'm glad they, glad they got rid of James Johnson. His contract was not so great. Phenomenal. They got rid of Deion Waiters. Justice Winslow's the one that hurts a little bit because he was doing well there, and I'm a little surprised he got traded. I love Justice Winslow. Um, but they got Jay Crowder. He's a shooter for this team. Uh, he can definitely help space out the floor a little bit. They got Solomon Hill, another big man for them. And Andre Iguodala, a nice veteran. Uh, I think it's great because although Jimmy J- Butler has seemed to gel with this team, he's clearly not a great leader. And they're it's a pretty young team outside of Jimmy Butler. So get a guy like Andre Iguodala who can come in here, contribute a little on defense. I'm not saying they're not bad on defense, but he contribute even more. And he'll be a great guy for this locker room. So he'll actually want to play. And I think they did okay. Really, for a team that actually made moves, it was pretty average. I'm glad they got rid of Dion Waiters and James Johnson, but getting rid of Justice Hurts, overall, I give them about a B-plus on the day. Is that fair? Something like that. Milwaukee Bucks, they did fine. They are probably the best out of anything that stood packed because they didn't have to make a move. They didn't have to do anything. They're a juggernaut right now. They're on pace for 70 or more wins. They're doing incredible. Why stir up the pot right now when you have a team that's on pace for over 70 wins? The Bucs are no lock for the NBA title, but there's no point in making a move just to make a move when they're already good enough. It's just a matter of them performing the playoffs, and if anything, making a trade was just going to hurt this team. Unless they had a chance to make an Andre Drummond-type deal, you know, where it's just a steal, it's just too obvious, you know, you had to say yes, but there's no point in rocking the boat or any stirring up the pot. You just didn't have to. If anything, it was just going to hurt. There, There's really no getting better at this point. They just, this team has to just show up for the playoffs. Minnesota Timberwolves, they did phenomenal. They gave up Keita Bates style. Jordan Bell, Robert Covington, Georgie Dying, Shabazz Napier, Noah Vonley, Andrew Wiggins, 2021 first round pick, top three protected in 2020 round second round, 2021 second round pick. And they got Malik Beasley, Jacob Evans, Juancho Hernan Gomez, James Johnson, D'Angelo Russell, Omari Spellman, Evan Turner, Jared Vanderbilt, a 2020 first round pick. That is lottery protected from Brooklyn. So Brooklyn's probably going to make the playoffs, so they'll be good there. They're going to have Brooklyn's pick. They did very good. I'm so glad they moved on from Andrew Wiggins because Cat and uh, Andrew Wiggins were not going to work. And D'Lo and Cat are like best friends. That's going to work really well. Plus, D'Lo's an, definitely an addition over uh, an upgrade over what's-his-face, Andrew Wiggins. And the loss of Rocco hurts. He had a lot of trade value, but it was worth it. They did great. They got guys like Malik Beasley as well. They got a nice pick. Uh for the pick they gave up in exchange for that pick that they gave up. So they did a very good job, if you ask me. Timberwolves were one of the biggest winners uh, of this trade deadline. New Orleans Pelicans stood pat. They have a lot of expiring contracts, uh, with uh, especially with the way Zion Williams is playing as well right at the moment. I didn't see the need to make any moves. They're not going to really go on a huge playoff run this year. They'd be lucky to even make the playoffs, whatever. 
Pelicans did just fine. New York Knicks did a very good job. Finally, the Knicks did something right. They succeeded in the trade deadline. They gave up Maurice Harkless, Isuf Sanin, the draft rights to him, a 2020 first round pick uh, from LA, a 21, uh, the rights to swap 2021 first round picks with the Clippers, which they probably won't because Clippers are going to be way better than them, and a 2021 second round pick via Detroit. They got all of that by giving up Marcus Morris, a guy that they needed to move. They did phenomenal. Uh, they You didn't need Maurice Harkless, but whatever. You'll take him just to make the contract uh, money work out. But you basically gave up Marcus Morris for a less cancerous wing and a first-round pick and a second-round pick. And the rights to swap first-round picks just in case you need to in 2021. And then you got some draft rights to some other dude. It was a very good deal for both sides, really. Uh, it was a decent deal for the Clippers. Very good trade for the Knicks. It made all the sense in the world to make that move, and finally they did something right. Was it a small step in the grand scheme of things? Yes. This is not going to turn their whole organization around, but it's a nice little thing. It shows just a little hope for the Knicks that they'll probably flicker right back out. That flame will flicker right back out, but they finally did something right, and just shows a little bit of hope. The Oklahoma City Thunder stood pat. Eh. Uh, eh. They should have made a move. Danilo Gallinari probably should have been interested in moving him. Chris Paul, he's been great this year. And he's definitely actually helping the development of these young point guards. So I actually understood why they tried to keep him. But they should have tried to move a Dennis Schroeder or Danilo Gallinari. Uh, I think they need to unload on one of those guys and add even more assets, but they didn't. And honestly, Schroeder, I'm okay with that. I think they really should just trade Gallinari, and then they should be interested in keeping Schroeder and Shy, and then trading Chris Paul next season. Keep them this year, help their development, and then trade them next year. But even though his trade values at a really good rate uh, pace, it's at a very good high right now. But they should have tried to trade Danilo Gallinari right at this moment. But they didn't. And I- I'm not hating their move of standing pat, but I definitely think they should have tried to do something. Orlando Magic, they got James Ennis for a 2020 second round pick. Thumbs up. They did a good job. This was the 2020 second round pick they got in the, um, in the what's it called, the Taylor Horton Tucker deal. They gave up Taylor Horton Tucker for this pick, and now they're flipping it for James Ennis. So essentially, it's Taylor Horton Tucker for James Ennis. Not bad. The Orlando Magic are one of the worst teams when it comes to shooting in the league. So James Ennis being a decent shooter, this helps. Are the Magic in any spot right now where they're going on some sort of playoff push? No, but they're going to make the playoffs, and not saying James Ennis is going to make the difference between first-round exit and second-round exit, but it helps a little bit. This does also show a sign just a little bit more towards their leaning. This shows another sign that this seems leaning towards contending now to taking a step back and rebuilding. They should definitely rebuild, but between them signing back Nikola Vucevic and making this move, which isn't a very significant one, but it's a small sign that does point to we're pushing for a yeah, we're pushing to contend within these next couple of years. I like the deal though. You know, it's a small very small price to play for a little shooter who might help this team a little bit. Any help they can get. 76ers, another team that did pretty well. Uh, they did better than the Magic, I think. They gave up James Ennis, a 2020 second-round pick via Dallas, 2021 second-round pick via Denver, and a 2022 second-round pick via Toronto, along with, uh, they said, 
Sorry, I almost said their pick again. Uh, so they gave up essentially three second-round picks in James Ennis for Alec Burks, who's averaging 16 off the bench, Glenn Robinson, and a 2020 second-round pick via L.A. Good job. Very good job for the Philadelphia 76ers, mostly due to Alec Burks. Glenn Robinson's not a bad young player, um, and he could definitely get a few minutes off the bench, but Alec Burks really where it is where it's at. James Ennis was a nice little wing shooter for them off the bench, but Alec Burks is going to give them 16 a night off the bench. They needed a bench player, specifically a bench scorer, and Alec Burks is exactly where it's at. Their bench just got better, and the 76ers, they're all just got better to win, uh, you know, win some games here in the playoffs. So they're getting even better built for the playoffs because their bench is better and they needed, definitely, desperately needed to upgrade that bench. So good job to them. Phoenix Suns did nothing. Uh, I think they should have tried to make a move. The really only uh, player that anyone was really interested in was Kelly Oubre. The deals were not good enough for him, so... Moving on, Portland Trailblazers traded a 2024 second-round draft pick to Atlanta for uh, got a 2024 draft pick, top 55 protected from Atlanta for Scalabas, and they gave up Scalabasier and 1.8 million dollars. So they just basically gave Scalabasier 1.8 million dollars to Atlanta for nothing. That's essentially what they did. They just wanted to get rid of a contract in Scalabasier. Uh, it helps their cap space out a little bit, but that's essentially what they did. They just helped out the cap a little bit. Wasn't a great trade. The Portland Trailblazers should have done something at the deadline. They didn't do a very good job. Sacramento Kings. They got Alex Len Jabari Parker for Dwayne Dedman, the 2020 second round pick, along with a 2021 second round pick. So you get Alex Len, you get Jabari Parker, who's kind of a guy who isn't terrible. But he's injury prone and his contract sucks. And Alex Len's not really that good. The Kings, eh, they didn't really do that good. If you want my complete non truth, I'd give him like a C plus uh, for their trade deadline. Yeah, I'd give him a C plus. Nothing significant, but a B minus C plus. Really, that's it. The Spurs. You stood pat and you made the wrong decision. How do you not trade either DeMar DeRozan or. LaMarcus Aldridge, or both, really specifically DeMar DeRozan, first and foremost. This team has to rebuild, but they keep refusing to do it. And I think most of that's because Greg Popovich. They don't want Greg Popovich to retire. They know the second this team trades DeMar DeRozan, he's going to sincerely think about it. And I know they're not in the playoffs right now, but there's still hope that the Spurs can't make the playoffs. But if DeMar DeRozan's gone, they really just, there's no chance. And Greg Popovich will probably retire after the season. If they do trade DeMar DeRozan, he could even if they keep him. But if they trade him, there's almost no shot he's going to stay. So that's probably why they kept him. But still, you got to rebuild. You got to start now. Get something for DeMar DeRozan. Will trade values at the highest it'll be for the rest of his career. Toronto Raptors stood put. Uh, stood pat. I almost said stood put. That doesn't make any sense. It was an okay move for the Raptors. They're having a decent season. They could have gone after a guy like Tristan Thompson. But honestly, there was no real big move or anything that they really needed to make. I'm fine with them standing pat. Nothing great, nothing terrible. Utah Chess, kind of same thing. They stood pat. Don't really have much to say about that. Wizards, 
They trade Shabazz and uh, they got Shabazz and Napier and Jerome Robinson and traded Jordan McRae and mm-hmm. Isaiah Thomas. I just got Isaiah Thomas' jersey. He's my favorite player in the league. I just got his Wizards jersey for Christmas. A little over a month later, he gets traded. Go figure. And then he goes to the Clippers, and I'm kind of like, all right, I'm mad, but at least maybe you'll win a title with the Clippers. The Clippers caught him. I know Isaiah Thomas is a good defender, and he has a bad net rating or, uh, or plus minus. I don't even know what it is. It's something like that. He's, he's got a terrible, but he's a good, decent offensive player. He deserves a spot in this league. Uh, and if he goes unemployed, I'm going to cry because right now I still think there's hope. But I, he's definitely going to be out there in the market for a little bit. But if he never gets signed back ever again, I'm going to cry. And screw the LA Clippers. Screw them for trading for Isaiah Thompson and cutting him. It makes sense. I get it why they did it to balance out the, the contracts. But really just screw screw them. Screw them for trying. You know, because I just got a jersey. And then, you know, you traded for him. And then you cut him. Are, are you kidding me? Are you really actually kidding me? I would have got an IT Clippers jersey. But that is going to wrap up this unit. I know this has been a pretty long episode so far, but we still got that Mookie Bet trade to get to, so let's get to that. So, well, for the first time in a while, we're talking some baseball. And this Mookie Bet trade was one I had to talk about. Uh, just as a baseball fan, and especially as a Red Sox fan, how do I feel about this? I'm going to tell you how it is. And I'm gonna I want to talk about this trade from the Dodgers perspective, the Twins perspective, and the Red Sox perspective. Most of this will be about the Red Sox. So I'm a fan. A lot of you are Red Sox fans. Most of you listen in from Boston. But I also want to talk about the Dodgers and Twins side of things as well. The Twins are on shaky right now. This trade has been reported for a couple days, but it isn't even official yet. Mookie Betts is still on the Red Sox. All these guys. It isn't official just yet. The Dodgers received Mookie Betts, David Price, and cash from Boston. All the assets that they received were from Boston. The Red Sox received Alex Vertigo from Los Angeles and Bruce Dark Gatterall, uh, Graterall from Minnesota, and the Twins received Kenta Maeda from Los Angeles. The Twins are the least significant team in this three-team deal. They only gave up a pitcher called named Bruce Dark Gatterall, gave him to the Red Sox, and they received pitcher Kenta Maeda from the Los Angeles Dodgers, but they are the unshaky team in this three-team deal. Every team is a little hesitant at the moment. The Twins are the ones that's making this trade almost fall apart. Each team wants to get this deal done, but the Twins are, they're shaky, and they're almost ruining this deal. But I always want to talk about this deal itself, if it does go through. How do I feel about it? For the Dodgers, it's a pretty dang good trade. They give up Kenta Maeda and Alex Vertigo, but they get Mookie Betts, one of the best players in baseball, along with David Price, who really, I don't want David Price. If I'm looking at this for the Dodgers, that's a negative. The addition of David Price is a negative. Even giving up, uh, sorry for that, bang, Kenta Maeda. Even though you're giving up a pitcher in Maeda, I don't want David Price because of his contract, his cancer, his attitude, and the fact that he's not really that good of a pitcher anymore. And then you also get cash. And I think the cash was somewhat of compensation for that bad deal for that bad contract that David Price has. And overall, though, for the Dodgers, is a very good deal. I think it's a very good deal because they're contenders. They're World Series contenders. They just can never finish. So you get a guy like Mookie Betts, that's huge. And they've traded some guys to kind of make this deal possible, paved the way for a guy like Mookie, Mookie Betts. So I think if this trade does go through, the Dodgers are, I wouldn't say striking gold, but it's a very good trade, and I think they're the biggest winner in this deal. 
The Red Sox received Alex Vertigo from Los Angeles and Bruce Star Gratterall from Minnesota. First, Alex Vertigo. He's a six-foot left fielder. Uh, he throws lefty. The whole uh, He's an outfielder, but he throws lefty. Uh, he's 20, what is he, 21, 22, yeah, 21 years old. Um, so, no, he's 23. His debut was when he was 21. Yeah, he's 23 years old uh, in a... I think when his birthday is in May. Yes, May 15th, so he'll be 24 then. But anyways, a young player. Last season with the Dodgers, really his breakout season. His first season, 2017, only played 15 games. Last season, 2018, not two years, seasons ago, he had 37 games. Last season, he played 106. His batting average, 294. His OBP was 342, and his OPS was 817, 0.817, obviously. Uh, he had 12 home runs along with two triples, 22 doubles, and 101 total hits. He scored 43 runs, and he stole four bases. Not the fastest. Uh, his fielding, I don't know a ton about. I didn't know much about this guy. Clearly, he's a decent player. I also heard this, though. He's got a bit of a sketchy record, a sketchy past. That... That's not very good. <laughs> so this guy's got a sketchy past, and he's really only been great for, you know, not great, but he's only really been relevant for one year now. And the years before that, he really didn't do much. He also had 44 RBIs last year. So he's clearly a decent player uh, that should make that next step this year, probably hit about 15 home runs, get 50 RBIs. That should be his baseline. You know, maybe he just takes that step of regression, but that's the hope, about 15 home runs, 50 RBIs. Uh, maybe he hits around 300 on his batting average, but his, he's definitely got a decent bat. Uh, and in the field, I'm not sure, but he does have also that sketchy pass that I talked about. And his war is 3.1. That's his war. So something to keep in mind too. Bruce Dark Gratterall is the real question mark in all this though. He's a 21-year-old right-handed pitcher. This is the guy that you're getting from Minnesota. 21-year-old pitcher, that's great. This is exactly what the Red Sox need, a young pitcher. Bruce Dargatterall pitched for a total. His projections for next year, apparently. This is a base, uh, baseballreference.com. Thinks he'll go 2-2 two and two with a 4.5 ERA, get one save and 30 innings pitched. That's their projection, which I think is about relevant. Look at his stats last year with Minnesota. He went 1-1 one one in 10 games. He started none of them. He, he's never started a game. He just played from the bullpen. Pitched 9.2 total innings. And he had no saves. He let up 10 hits in those 9.2 innings. <laughs> Excuse me. Including five earned runs. Five runs, all of them earned. And a home run. And two walks. So, Bruce Sargreterol. Don't know much about the guy, but all I can tell is he's a pretty dang mediocre pitcher right now. I did a little research on him. He's got a decent skill set, but he's got injury problems. And it's put him in the bullpen last year, and he's expected to play pitch out of the bullpen this year as well because of those injury problems. That's an issue for me. I love that he's a 21-year-old pitcher with the skill set, but the injuries are a problem because this team has suffered a lot of injuries. And, you know, it's great that he can come out of the bullpen first because we definitely need bullpen help, but we also need starting pitching bad too. So the Red Sox for this trade, 
Not good. I don't like it. I don't like this trade if I'm the Boston Red Sox. Vertigo's not a bad player. He's actually a decent player. But he'll never be Mookie Betts. And bruised Dark Gratterall doesn't sound that great. And, yeah, you're getting rid of David Price, but the cash kind of evens that out. So, I just don't feel good about this. I think you should be getting more for Mookie Betts. Really, I do. And when I heard this trade, I was just like, maybe Vertigo's better. And he's a little better than I thought he'd be. But still, he's not enough for Mookie Betts. That's what you're getting for Mookie Betts. It's ridiculous. Twins received Kenta Maeda from Los Angeles. They're giving up, essentially, Bruce Dark Gratterall for Kenta Maeda. And if I am the Twins, this is an okay trade. It's just average. If I am the Twins, I was aiming for some starting pitching because this is a team that hit the most home runs ever in a season. Their bats are incredible. The Twins can hit the crap out of the ball, but their starting pitching was what lacked. They needed that pitching to kind of set them over the edge. And Kent Demaeda is no Cy Young winner. He's been in the season, been in the league now for four years. He's 31 years old. He went 10 and 8 last season with a 4.04 ERA. Pitched 37 games, started 26 of them. He got three saves out of the bullpen. Pitched 153.2 innings, 69 earned runs, 70 on total on the season. Struck out 169 batters. So, you know, he strikes out over one an inning on average. When I look at this guy, overall his career ERA, 3.87. His best year was his rookie year. That was his best year. Rookie year when he's 28, uh, back in 2016. He went 16-11, and 11, pitched 32 games. All of them were starts. 175 innings over that. Uh, and he had 179 strikeouts. He was good. He was good. And Kenta, he's going to be right around four ERA. That's going to be his ERA. He's going to be, you know, he's going to be that fourth pitcher in your rotation. Fourth, fifth pitcher in your rotation. Maybe third. Third to fifth. He's no ace. He's no secondary pitcher. He's three at highest, fifth at lowest. He's somewhere in that uh, messy middle. And that's fine for the Minnesota Twins. If I'm looking at this from the Twins' perspective, they... This is a decent trade for them because Bruce Dar is not going to help you this season. The Twins, I'm not saying they could win the World Series, but they need a pitcher that's going to help them now rather than in four years, if anything. And Kenta will help their starting pitching, their rotation. He'll help them out. Bruce Dar, not really. He'll just pitch from the bullpen a couple games because he's injury prone. So, Von the Twins this is a decent trade. The Dodgers, it's a great t- trade. I don't really like this from the Red Sox perspective. I don't want to dig too much into this because I know it just sounds like if I do if I do dig into this trade, de- things will definitely change, and then I'm going to have to review this again. So, for now, that's my thoughts on this trade. That's also going to wrap up today's episode, a long episode today, but I'm glad I've caught up. Again, my basketball season should be ending soon, which is sad, but that'll also mean more podcast episodes. Um, so... Thank you guys for listening. Go follow my Instagram at After the Buzzer Sports Talk, all lowercase, no spaces. Again, that's at After the Buzzer Sports Talk, all lowercase, no spaces for podcast updates and sports content. Uh, and also go call in on the Anchor Mobile app with any questions, comments, uh, anything you want to talk about, any disagreements you want to argue with me. I'm here to debate all day. So thank you guys for listening, and I hope to see you guys next time.